All right, last week we started a new series called The Blessed Life, Learning to Let God Multiply. This is something that um, we as Americans sometimes take for granted. Like we've talked about, we are, especially in the South, not just America, but a lot of the Western developed world, we are blessed in many ways. Where uh, the rest of the world, a lot of uh, the rest of the world lives on a dollar a day. If you're rich in a lot of those countries, if you make two dollars a day and live off two dollars a day, then you are considered rich. I mean, if you can imagine, what if we lived on a dollar a day or two dollars a day? We would we would live differently here. You know, the value of the dollar is a lot more here in America. You know. We are blessed. We're blessed by many things, and we talked about that just earlier as we were mentioned Veterans Day and what that means to us and how we are blessed people because of the things that define our country. We have a declaration of independence that says that all men are created equal and that we are endowed with a certain, by a creator with certain inalienable rights. You know, we have rights as Americans. We have a creator, God, and, and we look to him. And, and many times throughout our history as a nation, we have, we have got it right. Many times. Now, I'm not saying that we've always got it right. <laughs> because you look throughout U.S. history, many times we got it wrong. But we, we were able to come on the other side of that. We were able to change our ways. Certain times we've changed our ways and it's been for the better. I mean, there's many times if you look at certain documents and, and things and you look at certain journal entries from even our founding fathers, like they didn't always have it together. They themselves didn't get it all the way. Like if you look and look at some of them, their view of God was a little stray. They didn't always have it together themselves, but yet they all came together and signed this declaration of independence all different kinds of walks of life majority of them turning and honoring God with their lives now all throughout our history we haven't got it right completely I mean even if you go and you study our documents we didn't always have it right I mean at one point in time women weren't treated how they should be treated with honor, dignity, and respect. At one point in time, the color of your skin defined you, and you weren't given all those inalienable rights that we mentioned. Like, no, we haven't always got it to right the first time, but I think that our nation has corrected itself whenever we've gotten it wrong. And I believe that we need to continue to correct ourselves when we get things wrong. And I think that there's many things in our government right now where we are getting it wrong. And we are having to turn to God ultimately. Not to one another and solve things with just our human minds, but turn to God for the ultimate authority to guide this nation. Even without a great nation, we can be blessed. 
So we talk about blessing, and we talk about this great nation, and it is great. We're able to gather here today. We got out of our cars and walked freely through these doors into air condition, and I'm able to stand before you and present the truth. In other countries, you would have had to be traveling in the back of a car. I myself would probably have to be uh, you know, covered up and, and walked into here because I'm about to preach the, the word of God. You would take me through the back door because you didn't want this, the, the place, the government to know that this was a place of worship because of persecution in other countries. We are blessed that we don't have to do that, that we can assemble. But there's things that is also coming to attack that, I believe. And if we're not aware of that, if we don't take a stand and we go to the voting booth and we you know, vote on the Word of God, then we will lose our religious freedom in this great nation if we aren't careful. I believe that God wants to turn this nation back. But back to what? You hear that. Back to what? Back to himself. Back to himself. I don't want us to go back in our history. Because like I said, some of our history was flawed. And I will say, what part of the history are you talking about going back to? What I want to go back to is God turning our hearts back to him. Back to him. That's what I want. This blessed life that we want and we read about through scripture that God wants to bless us and bless us and continue to bless us with all different kinds of things and different ways and give us joy and, and peace and patience and all those things It's the fruits of the spirit. How do we do that? How do we do that as a nation? How do we do that as individuals? We put God first. We ended the sermon last week, as we started the Blessed Life series, we, started, uh, we, we talked about that, but we ended with, put God first. You want to be blessed? God needs to be first in our government. God needs to be first in our schools. God needs to be first in our jobs. God needs to be first in our families. God needs to be first in our homes. The point is, is that God needs to be first and so if you were to walk away with one point, and one point only, I, I hope that you walk away with this point. Keeping God first in our money, which last week we talked about, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself, okay? And so, yes, we are talking about money today again, and I know I was like, I started off, oh, no, pastor's talking about money again. No, but this is the point I want you to know. Putting God first in our money by giving Him our best and our first will allow Him to bless the rest. If y'all were to walk away with anything, I would hope that you walk away with that today. But many of you are starting to tune me out because when pastors talk about money, that's what you do, right? 
Oh, no, the pastor's talking about money. He wants to collect another offering. I've been to churches where, well, let's be honest, pastors have functioned in that with authority, and it hasn't been done very well. And they'll be like, oh, we didn't get enough. We're going to take that offering around again. It's the pastor's birthday, right? That is not what I'm about. That's not who I am. You've heard me say it before, and I'll say it again. I don't want anything from you. I don't want anything from you, but I want something for you. I want something for you. And that something that is for you comes from God. It doesn't come from me. It comes from God and God alone. And I believe that God wants to bless you and bless you abundantly. But how we respond to him, how we put him first, even in our finances, which, let's be honest, is probably the most difficult thing to do. Because what we say in America is money talks, right? (laughs) Money talks. But we don't want to operate with a spirit of mammon, which is the love of money. We want to operate in the spirit of God, which is blessing and abundance. And so today, let's go to him. God, change our hearts. Shape us how you want us to be. God, make it clear. God, convict us where we need to be convicted. This is a hard message, a hard truth. But God, ultimately, we want to be more and more like you. So help us to put you first in everything. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So, some stats. You know I love stats. I talk about stats from time to time in my sermons. Here's a stat that uh, I came across this week. Christians give about 2.5% per capita. 2.5. Currently. That's today's stat. We, as Christians, those who profess faith in Jesus Christ, give about 2.5%. Now, the world standards, you know, that they're only about, I think, 2.3 is what I read. So, that, so really, the world, those who are Christian and those who are non-Christian, give pretty close to the same. That should be a wake-up call for the church. But I don't think it is. Let's go back in our history. Y'all remember the Great Depression? Some of y'all actually experienced it. Or some of you knew parents that experienced it or grandparents that experienced it. During the Great Depression, Christians gave about 3.3%. That is at one of the worst, lowest points in our history when it comes to money especially. Yet Christian, the church, gave more than they give today. That should wake up the church especially here in America, which we say we're so blessed. (laughs) If Christians were to honor the tithe, and I know you're like, oh, no, he's talking about the tithe again. Listen, it's putting God first. I have to address it. Because if we don't put God first, what do we expect? Why do we gather? But if Christians honored the tithe, which is the first tenth, that's what that means, of our income, then there would be an additional $165 billion in churches' treasuries. 
Let me repeat that. <laughs> if Christians honored the tithe, there would be an additional $165 billion in the church's treasuries if we were just faithful with giving our tenth. Now, does that challenge you? Does that call you out? But see, here's the thing. Here's what we could do with that. This is just an idea of what we could do that. Actually, not with what we could do with that, but what God could do with that is this. $25 billion of that could go to world hunger and help relieve that, the starving and the deaths that were caused from preventable diseases. And that would just only take about five years' time to do that. With just $25 billion, the stats say that that could alleviate the problem of world hunger and people dying from preventable diseases. $25 billion of that. $12 billion could go to help address illiteracy all over the world. People can't read. Actually, in this community, there is many that cannot read. In five years, we could solve that with only $12 billion. $15 billion can go to solve water-related issues, which over a 1 billion people live with just $1 a day. And so a lot of that issue is caused because of water-related issues. People are dying because of water-related issues. And only with $15 billion of that, it could go and it can alleviate that. And no one would die of water-related issues. We could address a lot of the things that we see around the world. And you're like, well... That's, that's crazy, that's, that's bold, that's, that's bizarre that that could go. Now get this, that's not all of the money that I just quoted you. A hundred to a hundred and ten billion dollars would still be available to advance the gospel message. If the church honored the tithe. But yet, many of the church doesn't. We only give 2.5 per capita. May we be convicted and may we change. Like I said many months ago, and I'll repeat it again, is that whose it is determines what you do with it. And so we'll go to probably the most common preached about when it comes to the tithe in Malachi chapter 3. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says this, to bring the full tithe, which is the, the 10%, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, uh, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. It will not, I will uh, not open the windows of, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more Need. No more need. If the church would give of the tithe, God says through his word, and he even says, put him to the test in this, that he will open the windows of heaven and pour down blessing upon blessing upon blessing where there would be no more need. I believe that. 
I believe that because I've seen God's hand, God's faithfulness in my own life. When I put him first in my finances, he blesses the rest. And so today, we're going to spend time talking about that. We're going to talk about what I call the principle of the first. God wants your first and God wants your best. Now, many of you, I've heard this before as, as pastors have began to preach on this, is that, well, pastor, isn't this under the law? Isn't tithing under the law? And the answer is yes, it is. Well, aren't we not under the law anymore and aren't we under the grace? You're right. That is true. But let me go even further back than the law. Genesis 1 the creation story is beautiful. God created the heavens and the earth and he, he created light and day and night, darkness. And he created the waters of the world. He created the stars. He created the moon. He created the sun. He created all these great things. And then he created man and woman. And he created them in his own image. He created them male and female. He created them. And if you go and you read the gospel story or the uh, the Genesis account of the creation story, you will see that it was beautiful, it was perfect. There was no flaws in the garden. They didn't have to cover their nakedness in the garden. They could walk around and and just see the beauty of God's creation. And they could be fruitful and multiply. And they can go and and eat from different things. And and just the animals were at peace with one another. I mean, it was beautiful. It was amazing. They could walk with God. It says they walked with Him in the dew of the morning. They They could spend time with Him. Notice in the creation story, they didn't have to hide their face from God at the beginning. This is pre-fall. They could actually see God and have relationship with Him. Whenever, after the fall, you see people, they had to cover their face from Him. But pre-fall, it was beautiful. It was abundance. They had no need. But then, there was the fall, the fall of man. They ate from the forbidden fruit. And fall the fall happened. And so they were dismissed from the garden for their own good. They were kicked out of the garden because they had tasted death. And ultimately, if they had ate from the tree of life, they would never have any hope. So God, in His righteousness and His mercy, He says to leave this garden because ultimately God's plan was to redeem people back to himself and so for him to get them out of the garden was actually for their redemption because if they had stayed and ate from the tree of life they would have death over and over and over again and so because of sin corruption came into the world And so Adam and Eve, they went and they bore sons. And we'll turn to Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 4, you can read about Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel were the sons of, of Adam and Eve. And so skipping down to verse 3. In Genesis 4, 
verse 3 it says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. See, Cain was a, a gardener. He, he lived off of the ground. That's what he raised. Abel was a farmer, and he, he, farm, he um, raised livestock. Okay? And then verse 4 it says, And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain, his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. See, see, Cain and Abel both brought an offering. But one was accepted, and one was not. And if you look into it, you, sometimes you skip over this and you don't catch what is going on here because you see, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, right? And Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. See, Cain brought an offering, but it wasn't the offering that God can accept. Abel brought an offering that God can definitely accept. See, Cain brought an offering of basically what he wanted to bring. When he wanted to bring it even. And God didn't accept it. But see, Abel brought the first, the best to God. See, like I said, God must be first. He cannot be second we might think that we're putting him second, but ultimately God is above all else, and God is first. And so when we bring something that isn't of first, he can't accept it. There is no way that he could have accepted Cain's offering because God is never put second. He turns away. He does not accept Cain's offering. But see, Cain and Abel were under different mindsets. See, Cain and Abel, I'm sure, had received story after story from their, their father and mother of, of how it was in the garden. Can you imagine like sitting around the table or sitting around the, the fire and having story time with, with uh, Cain and Abel and their parents? And hearing the story of the garden and how they messed up. And, but how there was so much abundance in the garden and how good God was to them. But how they took advantage of it. And all those different things that could have happened in that conversation. See, one of the sons had one mindset and the other son had another mindset. See, Cain had a scarcity mindset. A scarcity mindset is that you just bring the hand-me-downs to God. Or a scarcity mindset is there isn't enough to go around. Like, I have to hold back because if I give the best like and the first, I might not get a second or a third. Or if I give you the best of it, what if the other is, is bad fruit and it's not good fruit? That's scarcity mindset. But then there's the abundant mindset that Abel had. See, Abel heard the stories and he understood that God is able of abundance. And so he had an abundance mindset. And so my question to you today is, which one are you? Are you the one of abundance? Or are you living under scarcity? 
See, Abraham, if you go and you follow, and Abraham didn't always get it right. But he finally did. In Genesis 14, verse 20, Abraham brought a tithe. And he gave of a tithe. This was before the law. This was way before the law was ever established. And yet you see the tithe being honored by the first children. You see the tithe honored by the man who would go and you know, establish a new family of God. If you go on, you can read in Joshua 7 even. You, we talk about this is that there, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, right? And the walls came tumbling down, right? <laughs> you know, we hear that as a child. But then what happened only a little while later, see, God said to not take anything, to bring him all of it and take it into the Lord's house. And yet, some of them saw the silver, saw the shiny things of the world, and said, mm, I'm going to take some for myself. And so Achan took some and hid it, right? And God intervened, and they began to lose. And they were defeated at Ai because of the sin of Achan. But see, we don't see that. That's a tithing message right there. <laughs> because God said... To bring it to him. Bring it to him. Don't take anything from it. And you're like, well, why is that the tithe, Pastor? How can that be the tithe? The reason why it could be the tithe is because it was the first city. It was the first city that they were commanded to take over. And he, God always gets the first of everything. And when you don't honor him with the first, then you will be defeated. When you don't honor him with the first, then the rest is cursed. And you see that all throughout the gospel story, all throughout the story of God and man. See, there's a mindset of scarcity, and I'll call that the bag mindset. The bag mindset. In Haggai chapter 1, verse 6, it says this, and some of you may actually feel this right now, what the Bible says. It says, you eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you do not have, not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put in a bag with holes. A bag with holes. That is a bag mindset. That is a mindset of scarcity. That there's not enough. And your wages, you treat it and you don't give God the first. And it basically goes into a bag of holes. And you don't get a return. You're not blessed because of that mindset. But then there's also the basket mindset. The basket mindset in Deut Deuteronomy 28, 4 through 6 and which is, this is an incredible chapter, so I encourage you to turn to 28 uh, later on and read the full amount in Deuteronomy 28. It says this, The fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land, and the young of your livestock. Your basket will be blessed, 
And you will be blessed when you come in and when you go out. Your basket will be blessed. See, the mindset of the basket is abundance. When you bring your first to God, your basket will overflow. Your basket will overflow. So my question to you this morning is, do you have a bag mindset or a basket mindset? See, when you bring God our first and our best, he will bless the rest. In Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, it shows that God is actually watching and testing us. The Bible says, honor the Lord with your wages and with the first fruits of all your crop. And for us, that's the first of our our, uh, earnings. The tithe belongs to God. Then, the Bible says, and your barns will be filled with overflowing. He will overflow blessing to you when you honor him with your tithe. Now, does that mean that every single one of us that honors the tithe will be rich? Absolutely not. But will it be blessed? Absolutely. See, when we take and we give God our tenth, and I'm going to illustrate this real quick. So say, I make $10. And I I earn $10, and I have a profit of $10. And I'm given that $10. What is the tithe? A dollar. Now here's the thing. The tithe is what? 10%. But what is it also? It's the first. The tithe is the first and 10%. So whenever we get our income, do we pay off the mortgage company? Oh, I got a car payment this month. All the kids had to get fed. Oh, here's the 10% for God. Is that the tithe? Absolutely not. The tithe is the first. It is always the first. Which I grabbed more than 10, I'll notice. But you get the idea. (laughs) Is that the first is the 10th. So that $1... The first to leave your hand is the tenth. The first that leaves your hand is God's. And see, the reality is, is that when we give the tenth, he blesses the rest. But when we do what I just illustrated to you, when we give uh, you know, God, or God's money, you know, God's earning, God's tenth to the mortgage company, first, there's no way that he can bless it. Because God is always first. If he's not first, he can't accept it. And so, looking at your own life, are you honoring God with a tenth? This is the principle of the first. See, one day, our sons and our daughters will come to us. And I believe that one day, Paulina, Liliana, Emmeline, Coulter, and Brentley will come to me and Hannah and say, Why do you honor God with your tithe? And see, in Exodus chapter 13, that was actually already discussed. Verse 14, it says, And when the time has come, your son asks you, What does this mean? You shall say to him, 
By a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the, born, the, the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. And basically he begins to teach and show why they do what they do. When my sons and my daughters come to me and say, why do you honor God with your tithe? The reason why is because I once was blind, but now I see. I once was in slavery, but now I'm not. And God redeemed me. And because of God and his mercy and his love and his grace for me, I honor him with what he wants. And God says, honor me with your first. And when we honor God with our first, he will bless the rest. And I believe that with all my heart. I can show you multiple times over where when we were faithful with the tithe in our marriage, God was faithful with us. I can show it to churches upon churches who were faithful with their giving when God blesses the church. And I believe that one day, if we can honor God by placing Him first, then the storehouse will start to overflow. And especially this community around here will be blessed by it because we will be able to take care of the needs of this community. We will be able to advance the gospel even more into all over the world. And so my question to you is, are you honoring God with your first? When you bring God your first and your best, He will bless the rest. And many of you might be thinking, well, Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. Here's my rebuttal to you. You can't afford not to. You can't afford not to. Because God can do so much more with 90% for you to live on than 100% that's cursed. God can do abundantly more <laughs> than what we can think and imagine. It's clear in His Word. He's faithful to us. May we be faithful to Him as well. God, we just turn to You right now. God, as we think about the principle of the first... God, you either receive our offering or you don't. You either bless us or the offering's cursed. God, may we hold firm to this principle to give you our best and to give you our first. God, you are the ultimate creator. And God, this principle goes way back further than the law. God, even your son modeled it to his disciples. God, may we honor the first and may we honor the best by giving it to you so that you can bless the rest. God, may we not hold back. May we be generous in our giving. And God, may you use everything for your glory. 
God, you are Alpha and you are Omega. You are the beginning and you are the end. And so, God, we turn to you with our worship and our praise this morning. May you receive it. May you honor it. And may you bless us all. It's in Jesus' name.